Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. You may be seated this morning. You know, as, as I thought, just dwelled on his promises and on my confidence being in him, the other just faded away. While ever I focused on, oh no, why, what, how, chuck, 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 it just kept mounting in my mind. But when I focused on him and his promises and my confidence being in him, it just faded into the background. So I encourage you with that this morning. Uh, as you know, in the month of March, we did a series called The Poor, It's Personal. And we took up an offering at the end of that month, which was a little bit risky because um, the tendency could have been to think, okay, we've done that now, and yet the whole message was about a heart change and us taking responsibility and shifting our whole way of thinking to recognise that we as the church are responsible and, uh, and, and responsible for the poor. And so we, um, but we collected that offering. We thought, no, we'll just put a stake in the ground, draw a line, the sa- line in the sand and say, let's do this. Uh, and you responded, and we collected over $15,000 in that service. And so, yeah, that's awesome. So that means that all of our, um, our global partnerships will get roughly $4,000, which is so great. So if you um, haven't contributed to that and you still wanted to, you still can. If you're giving electronically, you just write the reference, the poor. Um, or if you want to put it in an envelope and mark it, the poor, you can do that as well. So that's really exciting. I went um, to Armadale last week and, and I was preaching in the morning and had a dinner the night before, a fundraising dinner. So I stayed overnight and I went to check out the next morning and um, went to pay for the um, chocolate bar and glass of wine that someone had snuck into my room overnight and eaten and drunk. And, um, and so I went to pay for that and, and they, um, the lady gave me back, like I handed her a 50, she gave me two 20s and a $2 coin and a $1 coin, asked me what I was doing that morning. I said, I'm headed to church. And as she put the $2 coin in, $1 coin in, she said, oh, that'll give you some money for the plate. And, um, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's how some people think, like that God first finance that James was talking about where you personally, you know, contribute in a sacrificial way to take responsibility for the poor or to provide for the work of the ministry. I belong to a group of people that operate like that. And so I was just pumped and excited and uh, then totally excited that I was going to be home on a Sunday morning with you all. So we've got a quick four-part series that finishes up tonight called The City. It's personal. And so if you're a one-service person, that's totally fine. I encourage you to get a hold of the podcast. Uh, They've been really great. And and Daz is wrapping it up tonight. He kicked it off last week with our life witness and about um, being those who make the most of every opportunity and who actually uh, add credibility to the witness of people who know Jesus by living a life that is good and gentle and kind and full of grace and um, and not being a jerk pretty much uh, because who knows that when you say you know to someone a friend oh yeah I go to church and they say oh I know someone who goes to that church they're a jerk that that kind of makes your witness not so great and um, so we really should be the best people that everyone deals with we should be full of life we should be full of joy we should be full of peace we'll have bad days um, but at, at large we should really uh, reflect Christ that that's that's a new thought isn't it and um, so he talked about life witness he talked about it much more articulately than that so I encourage you to get the podcast and then last Sunday night we looked at the concept of the lost and how words like the lost to our ir- irreligious postmodern you know, secular society, the words like the lost, outsider, unsaved, 
um, far from God, all biblical words, but they're not that popular or really even understood. At worst, they make the people who know God sound bigoted and elitist, and at best, they're just misunderstood. So um, as people have tried to find new words to describe the people that don't know Jesus yet, they've come up with words like unchurched, which is sometimes not that much better. But we looked at that concept and and, and the things that we looked at there were that were, number one, we should always identify. If we have decided to follow Jesus and we know people who haven't yet, that our first thing should always be that number one, we identify. Because the Bible says in so many places, once you were, once you were, once you were, once you were like them, once you were making those same decisions, identify number one. And, uh, and that should lead us to number two, empathy, not to judgment, not to feeling good about ourselves, but actually to empathy. And, um, and that empathy should propel us because we acknowledge that actually, but for the grace of God, there we would be. And that actually, but for the grace of God, there we could be right now. And so we don't, um, you know, we don't stand aloft or aloof. We instead have empathy. And then that empathy and that identification can propel us one of two ways. One is into resignation. And resignation is where we kind of go, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Okay, sarah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so we have this kind of resignation um, of, oh, well, if God's going to do it, God's going to do it. Or we take Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15 seriously where it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And rather than resignation, we actually go, oh, I have a responsibility here. And, and then that responsibility, actually the weight of that responsibility, if we're not careful, can crush us because we can go, oh, wow, I've just got so much um, going on and all the people around me, this is, I'm responsible for them and what will happen. And uh, we need to come to a holy realisation that the Bible says that one sows, another waters, but it's God who gives the increase. So we've just got a part to play. We play it to the best of our ability and we rely on God to do the rest. So that's uh, what we looked at. So this morning... If we have decided to take responsibility and we've decided to play our part well, why is it that often we feel so ill-equipped to talk to anyone who doesn't know about Jesus when we do? Why do we feel so ill-equipped? Why do we feel so inadequate to articulate what it is that's in our hearts and our faith? Why is that? That we, we get so crippled that we relegate it even to just waiting for them to ask questions of us. And, uh, and when they do, then we actually come across this thing that we're just in a failure to communicate and we stammer and stutter and, uh, 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 and, and, and they're like, you were able to talk a second ago. Why can't you talk now? And some of you might be thinking, well, that's harsh, Bron. I, I can perfectly articulate my faith. And others, others of you might be thinking, thank you for encapsulating how I feel when I get asked about my faith. Um, I'm going to talk to us this morning about something that every single one of us here can feel totally confident in doing. When I was a teenager, I went to church, but no one would have known whether or not I wanted to. In fact, I did want to, but I didn't want everyone to know that I wanted to because that might make me not cool. So I didn't let them know that I actually really did love Jesus and wanted to. So when, um, I'm, I, when I became an adult and started working, I didn't quite get it flowing. It didn't come out of me much like 
these words right now. And, uh, and it didn't quite happen. And so when we moved to Tamworth at 21 in 2001, I thought, right, new start. Don't know these people. New job, new workplace. I'm going to be up front right from the go. And I had the perfect segue because we've been, we'd moved because we'd been asked to help out a church. So in terms of faith-based conversations, I was right there. So people would say, why have you moved to Tamworth? And I'd say, oh, we got asked to help out with a, a little church here. And, uh, and so it was a perfect segue. And inevitably the question came, which I knew it would, which is why I'd started out like that. So what do you guys believe? Now, I reckon I could say it in less than a minute. I could say, well, we believe that God is good. And that he is actually so good that his standard, we can never reach it. And we get it wrong all the time. But he's a God of love who loves us so much that he sent Jesus to deal with the peace that we didn't have. And so now everyone needs to make a decision about Jesus. And if you do make a decision to follow Jesus, you get a peace that you've never known. And you get a promise about eternity that causes you not to feel death anymore. And actually, he empowers you to live a life that you never thought you could. So while you still get it wrong, um, he actually makes up that difference and he forgives us when we ask him. Now, that is a lot of foreign concepts there and might promote more conversation. Doesn't mean that they'd be like, oh, well, um, I'd like to get saved, please. But, but certainly it was better than what I did, which was, so Bron, what do you guys believe? Well, well, we're like the... We're, we're like the Baptists, but maybe like a city, city Baptist. And, and so kind of like Pentecostals, but quieter. And, and we kind of believe what the Anglicans believe, but we're louder. And, and so I think the person went, thank you. <laughs> Not ever going to your church. And, uh, and so that's what I did. But, but it, it was because of a, a, I'd never really clearly articulated or thought about what God had done in my life. So I want us to, this morning, be able to do what the Bible says, which is to be prepared for every opportunity that comes our way. But we need to lay some groundwork. It's not about us. It's about the person that we're talking to. If it's about us, people can smell that a mile away. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where they don't ask you a single question? You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, good, okay. Um, I'm not going to talk because you're going to talk. So it needs to not be about us. It needs to be about them. It needs to be about them. We need to be motivated by love. We just have to be motivated motivated by love. Number two, it's not about church. It's about us. You see, I think when I got asked, what do you believe? I tried to make it about what the church believed and because my goal was to get people into church rather than to know Jesus. So it's not about church. People aren't compelled by a church-based conversation. They're compelled by a faith-based conversation. So it's not about church. It's about us. Number three, you have to be thinking about it in order for it to come out. I've got a friend who just loves cooking. She's an amazing cook. Every time I see her, I see her very rarely, but she's telling me what she cooked for dinner the night before. And, and she just loves it. She tells me what catering she's done and what meals she cooked and how beautiful it tasted. And, and, and for me, who really the most gut-wrenching decision of my day is what I'm going to going to make for dinner and you know if you ask me in the morning I'm like I don't know I don't I don't know it, it's kind of it doesn't flow out of me the cooking that I'm doing but for her it really does it's like people on keto right they're on keto you know about it and and they, they'll tell you like like oh the mental clarity that I'm experiencing keto oh the energy that I'm feeling keto oh hey I like your shoes oh keto like it's just everything comes back to keto and because it has changed their life they love it well can we translate that for a second because our life has been changed 
something dramatic has happened to us. We have a peace that's not normal. We, to not fear death is not normal. And to, to be able to live in a way that doesn't honour our own desires but honours our spouse is not normal. To be able to do things that were not natural to us once that are becoming more and more natural, not normal. And so our lives are changed, so it should be able to flow out of us, and that's exciting. So let me go Oprah on you this morning and just say, you have a story, you have a story, you have a story, you have a story, you, you have a story. And, it, and it's a story that changes more lives than the car that you wish that I'd given you by being Oprah just then. It has more opportunity to change your life. And, and let me tell you this morning, if your story is yet to be started then I hope this morning that you can hear the stories we're about to look at and they do something in you that cause you to say, oh, I, I want to start a story. I want to have a faith story. So we'll go to Jethro back in Exodus chapter 18. And Jethro is a man who comes to see his son-in-law. We'll pick up the story. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. Let's just pause for a second. The priest of Midian. Um, Midian was a son of Abraham and his wife, Keturah. So some scholars say that they would have had a knowledge of God, the Midianites. But actually, they were pluralistic. They had many gods. The Midianites um, worshipped, uh, actually, the, the religion called Druze. They claimed Jethro as their founder. And actually, they, they were... Um, they, they worshipped many gods. They were into Gnosticism, uh, Neoplatonism, and also something called Pythagoreanism, which I'm pretty sure is the worship of right-angled triangles. And, um, but he was a priest of Midian. And he heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. If we'd, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a, mo a message to Moses saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, are coming to see you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him. If your father-in-law is coming over for Easter, I just encourage you to try this. Just bow low and then kiss him. Um, see how it goes. Aussie blokes love that kind of thing. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Okay, so here's Moses. And he just tells Jethro everything that has happened. He just simply gives his story. Now, you might say, Bron, pretty awesome story though, right? Like he's telling him about all the plagues of Egypt and how God rescued them out from slavery and then how they were, felt like it had all ended again at the edge of the Red Sea, but then God parted the whole Red Sea and they walked through and then drowned all the Egyptians who were chasing them. Pretty awesome story. If I had a story like that, I reckon I'd be telling it too. So, okay, granted, let's go to Acts chapter 22 and look at Paul's story. Paul gets up at a point to address the Jews in the synagogue. And he says, Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. Next slide. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. 
The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. So here's something. Let's not shy away from the horrificness of our story, if there is any horrificness. He tells them up front what he'd done that was bad. Let's keep going. And I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon. A very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Next slide. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus and there you'll be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Then he told me the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak for you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Next slide. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. And just on that, we've got baptisms next week, Easter Sunday. Very exciting. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued. Okay to argue with Jesus, by the way. It's right there. They certainly know that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. Next slide. And I was in complete agreement when your witness, Stephen, was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So here's Paul giving his story, the good, the bad, and the ugly of his story. He's letting the people know that whatever attitudes they have towards the Christians, that his attitudes were worse. He stood by while they were killed, and he testifies to what happened to him. Now, Paul is a smart guy. He trained under the Rabbi Gamaliel. So he could have given apologetics. He could have started way back at the beginning, took them right through the Old Testament and how everything pointed to Jesus, but instead he just goes with his experience. You see, Stephen, before he was stoned, he, he did that. He started with Abraham, went to Moses, went to King David, talked right through how everything pointed to Jesus. But here Paul simply gives his experience. So all people need is our experience. And, and just to note, he used their own language. He spoke to them in their own language. He spoke to them in Aramaic. Later on, he talks to Festus and Felix and King Agrippa in either Latin or Greek, their language. But here he speaks in Aramaic in their language. And so when we're talking to people, let's talk in their language. Maybe not all of their language, if you pick up what I'm putting down. But but let's if they're like if they're not well educated, don't pull out all the apologetics and the words and the theophanies and the eschatologies and because I don't even know what they mean, so don't use it with them. But let's get on people's level. Let's speak to people wherever they're at. But even for that story, you might say, Bron, Paul, like the dude's articulate. He is amazing. Are we like I, I know that that testimony that he just gave was incredible. So let me give you another one. Jesus spits on some dirt, makes some mud, throws it on some, a guy's eyes, tells him to go and wash, and the guy can see. Listen to this guy's testimony. On the next slide, he replied when he was questioned, I know nothing about that, one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure, I was blind, I now see. 
not articulate, (laughs) just his experience. He's being questioned on who Jesus is, how Jesus did it, what happened. And he says, I don't know anything about any of that. All I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all he had, so that's all he gave. We're only ever to ask to give what we've received. He, he then says later on, he says, hey, do you guys want to become his disciples too? To which they're like, no, thank you. But he's like, you know what? You want more questions? You've got more questions about him? Come and see him. That's us too. Well, I was blind, but now I see. And they say, well, what about this? Oh, I don't know anything about that. I just know what I know. But if you want to know more about that, you should come to church on Sunday. And they're like, I'm not coming to church. Well, okay, well, a bunch of us get together for Bible study in the week. Why don't you come around to our house? I'm not going to that house. Well, how about we have a coffee? I've got a really smart person that I know that can come and talk to you and answer your questions. What about that? Just like, if we don't have the answers, don't worry about it. Just testify to what we've received. We're only ever asked to give our story. Okay, last one. Woman at the well. And... Uh, Jesus has been talking to her. So just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So let me clarify. Jesus did not tell this woman everything that she ever did. He only recounted her sexual partners to her and let her know that he knew about her sin. She gets up and runs to the village and says, not anything wise or brilliant or anything like that, but just says, come and see, come and see this guy. He told me stuff. You know, what she meant was, I feel like I've been understood on a level that I've never been understood before. But she didn't say that. She just said what was in her head to say. What she meant was, I felt accepted when I've never felt accepted by any of you townspeople. But she didn't say that. She just said, come and see. She just said whatever was in her mouth to say, we don't need to worry about getting it right, getting it perfect. We just need to share what's on our heart and expect that God will do the rest. And we don't need to worry about people's reactions. Let's look at the reactions to these stories. Let's pull up the next slide. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, which wasn't actually quite factual, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. The other people's reaction is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is simply to share what he's done in our lives. Blind guy you were born a total sinner they answered are you trying to teach us and they threw him out of the synagogue that could be a reaction people could throw us out of their circle not our responsibility just our responsibility to share what was the woman what was um next person's paul's the crowd listened to paul until paul said that word gentiles dirty word back then for the jews then they began to shout away with such a fella he isn't fit to live they yelled threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust into the air so that could be a reaction We'd probably wonder why, but that could be a reaction. Um, Jethro's reaction to Moses sharing his story. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. Here we have it. Four reactions, completely different. 
Not up to us to determine the reaction, simply up to us to share our story. So Linnea, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Linnea, why do you go to church? Um, Bron, I go to church. Well, I used to go to church because I felt like I had to go. Um, I grew up going only on a Sunday, so what I did during the week didn't matter. And so now, Sundays are the celebration for what happens during the week, and here I get to find a place and a purpose where I can serve and love people because I don't have it figured out. And God calls us to be planted. And so if we're in the church and we're around good soil and people because we're all broken and messed up, um, we can all feel accepted somewhere. And I think we need that. (laughs) Awesome. Can we thank Linnea? Linnea has... If Linnea shared that with someone at work when they asked why she went to church, she's got no responsibility for their reaction. She's only got the responsibility for what she says. But can you come and tell us why you even like Jesus? Why do I like Jesus? Um, Simply because my life is better with Jesus in it. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Troy, why why did you become a Christian? Why are you here this morning? Um, God loves me um, and he's a good God and that's what it's about um, I was in the world deep in the world um, until I received a healing and if it didn't happen to me I wouldn't believe it um, so I know how good God is and that's why I'm here that's awesome thank Troy Dave will you come you know Linnea uh, and Beck, what are, what are people going to say? No, your life's not better because Jesus is in it. Uh, um, yes, it, it is. You're not my life, so you can't say that. So Beck's just got to share what she shares. Linnea is saying, I find purpose here. I find, you know, passion here. And they're like, no, you don't. Uh, actually, I do. Troy, you didn't get healed. No, I did. Um, our story is our story. People can't discount our story. They might. They might refuse it. They might ignore it. But it's simply ours to share. Dave, all the way from Narromine, came to tell us very quickly why he's a Christian. <laughs> I've always grown up in a, a church-going kind of atmosphere. Didn't have any problem believing there was a God. Didn't know what that relationship was like. As I grew up, I knew that there was more to being a Christian than simply going to church every week. One day I went to a meeting that I only went to because my girlfriend was going, some motive. But anyway, the preacher said, Jesus wasn't ashamed to live to die for me. I'm not going to be ashamed to live for him. I walked out of that place saying, I'm not going to be ashamed to live for God. We sung a song earlier, holy, holy, holy. It's not that new. I sang it as a kid. I used to sing about God's greatness. He's made me part of it. Thanks, Dave. No, no, you haven't, Dave. (laughs) No, that's not true. Our story is our story. No one can discount our story. So why, why, why do we do this? Dear friends, You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Praise God, He's working in us. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. 
Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. That's Paul talking to the Philippians. Let me read it from the message. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. Another way that the Bible says this is, you shine like stars in the universe. God has created us when He makes us new. Not to be perfect, although He's perfecting us but to shine like stars in the universe, to hold out the word of life. Team, you can all come. And let's come to our feet this morning. In that verse that we read in Romans chapter 10, it said that how are they going to believe unless they hear about him? And how will they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will someone tell them unless they're sent? And so this morning... I'm just going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray it along with me. If this morning you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, but you want to, then uh, I just encourage you to quietly to yourself and to God, make that commitment. Dave walked out of the church and said, I'm going to live for Jesus from now on. Make that commitment to God. But I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray after me a prayer of committing to God that we will be sent, that we accept His sending and that actually we will tell people about the hope that we have. So if you want to, please pray after me. Dear God, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I don't have the words, but you do. Help me to know what to say and how to say it. Help me share my story in a way that draws people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.